This is Dr. Kate Eckert with the Form, Function, and Flow Lab podcast. I'm a chiropractor, yoga instructor, anatomy junkie, and movement educator. And I am looking forward to exposing you to all sorts of ways that you can prehab your body to avoid injury and maintain those hobbies, activities, sports that you love to do. And we'll also be focusing a lot on the pregnant and postpartum journey and making sure that you can return to those activities that you love or even keep doing them while you're pregnant. Hi, this is Dr. Kate and today's podcast is on hip flexors. So this is an issue with all of my patients, not just my pregnant or postpartum patients, even though that is an issue for them as well. It's also an issue for men, women, kids, everything. Um, I think people hear about it a lot. They, they know that that's something that needs to be addressed. And sometimes the tendency is to either really dig in onto them or um, really overstretch them. So I wanted to kind of describe to you where they're at, what constitutes a hip flexor and what, how we want to address them and how it might be different person to person. Um, With what is, where are the hip flexors? What, which ones are they? So we've got your psoas, which is a, deep hip flexor, and it's kind of inside of us. It's attaching from the front of our lumbar spine, and it is going underneath our abdominal organs to our leg. And that is really important, not just in hip flexion, but also in spinal stability, because it is attaching right to the spine. Another cool thing about the psoas is that it attaches really near the diaphragm and it has some fascial connection there. So breathing and psoas are intimately tied together. So that is a a big player in hip flexion. Another hip flexor um, that's closely tied to psoas is iliacus. So if you imagine the psoas attaching at the spine and then going to the leg, we also have iliacus attaching where it says it's from the ilium to um, the leg as well. So actually, the psoas and the iliacus meet and attach in the same spot. So that's the iliopsoas tendon. That's attaching down on the leg bone. Um, they iliacus is a hip flexor, but it also it does not do spinal stability because it does not start in this on the spine as the psoas does. Um, so they do have kind of pretty different roles. Iliacus is more just hip flexion, psoas is more complex in that it ties into breathing and it does some spinal stability as well. We even notice that when you stand on one leg and bend that one leg up to the chest, the opposite side, so as is firing at the same time to stabilize the spine while the other one is doing hip flexion. So the, um, the next hip flexor that people really get honed in on is 
um, the TFL, which is part of the IT band. So people love to roll the heck out of the IT band. If a lot of runners have, think they have an issue here and they beat it up with all sorts of myofascial release tools. And sometimes that can not do any good, but maybe also be a little harmful. So the TFL is a small muscle that feeds into the IT band, which is just a name for the tendon of the TFL muscle, which is a hip flexor. The other muscle that feeds into that IT band is your glute. So it's not just TFL, it's TFL and glute coming together into that IT band. Um, it's not as powerful of a hip flexor as psoas or iliacus. Um, another, the last hip flexor I'm going to talk about is part of your quad, actually. So quad is in the front of the leg. It means it, there's four parts to it because it's quad. Three of them don't cross from the femur to the pelvis, and one does. So while the other three parts of the quad simply extend the knee. That last part of the quad is crossing that joint and it does some hip flexion. And that's your rectus femoris. So we've got psoas, spinal stabilizer and hip flexor, iliacus, main driver of hip flexion, TFL, little guy on the side, and rectus femoris, part of the quad. Um, that's why to get that real intense stretch of the quad, you want to have the hip extended as well to, to get that rectus femoris involved in the stretch. Um, so let's think about what we do all day. Everyone's different and everyone has a different set of circumstances, but lots of people sit a lot. So either, either it's from your job, if you're sitting at a desk, if you're a driver, if you're like me, I am up and down a lot, but I'm often bent over people and bent at the waist, shortening up my hip flexors for long periods of time. So now here's where the tricky part comes in. I think people equate short and tight with we just need to stretch them, rub them out, all of those things because they they don't they forget that they could also be weak. So just because it's short and tight does not mean that it doesn't need strengthened because it can often be weak and that can affect the centration of our hip joints. And if you've heard me talk in other hip podcasts, the centration of the hip is really important in maintaining that integrity of the joint and allowing it to move smoothly in there. If it's not lined up in that ball and socket area, you're going to get um, essentially wear and tear, arthritis, labral tears, um, those kind of things. So we want that centration of the joint to have it nicely lined up, smoothly moving. Movement helps lubricate the joint. So we want the movement, but we want it to be centered as much as possible. Um, so we've got this chronically shortened hip flexor area in lots of people that have these sedentary type jobs. Now, what do we do about it? So people know that they have, you know, okay, I work 
10 hours a day at a computer. I'm just going to fix this by stretching the hip flexor and add a, a ton. Uh, a lot of times I'll see people go to stretch their psoas by taking a deep, huge lunge with a big arch in their low back. And essentially it's tethering out that psoas muscle and the psoas takes quite a journey to get from underneath all your abdominal organs to the leg. And it gets very, can get very irritated. So you can actually make your hip flexor pain worse by stretching it that way. You really don't need a ton of um, extension at the hip to stretch that area. You simply need to tuck your tailbone under and that tethers it out and you will get that stretch in the um, in the psoas. I'll link one of the exercises I've done before for it so that you can safely stretch that area and focus in on it rather than wrenching your low back and flaring that up as well. Um, so we've got psoas. And then I've seen all these things on the market to dig into your side to um, work on trigger points in your psoas. Your psoas is so deep and under so much stuff that you can't possibly feel the trigger points in your psoas. You're, you're, whenever I work on a patient and I'm working on that area, I'm not palpating to feel the muscle itself. I'm simply pushing in to gauge how tender you are, how um, stiff the tissue is, and trying to trap the psoas along the border there. So it's not that I'm trying to feel it itself because that would be impossible. Um, so when people use really hard, sharp things to get in there and loosen that up, I don't think it's very effective for the top side where it's attaching in at the spine. Because remember, your spine is right in the middle. So you would have to be center line deep under all of your all the layers of your abs. You know, we've got rectus, we've got internal oblique, external oblique, transverse abdominus. You'd be going through so many structures and then all your organs. So to help mobilize that area, usually I go super soft, super gentle and use a um, gorgeous ball. So that air-filled ball that I use in my videos. And for people that are having an issue there, I deflate it so that it looks like almost a pancake. You know, it doesn't even look like a ball. It's just to use some very light pressure to help mobilize things. Um, a big thing for me when I'm treating someone who I think has a psoas issue is making sure you have good lymph movement in your abdomen because stagnant lymph system is first uh, issue of having a lot of inflammation. So if you have a poorly functioning lymph system and it's bathing your irritated muscle in um, inflammatory um, environment, then you're not going to have um, optimal relief. So I work with breath exercises. I use the cordless ball to keep the lymph system moving as well as possible because I want it to be as uninflamed as possible. Um, now that's the upper attachment of psoas. So instead of using those hard, sharp 
implements of it. I've seen like some like crazy looking, very hard plastic thing that you like lay on and like let it jam into you. I would try breathing exercises because remember, psoas is directly uh, linked with your diaphragm. And then I would do use the gorgeous ball. Um, so then if we go to the attachment on the leg, I like to have people use the um, uh, tune-up balls, or you could use a peanut of some sort or two tennis balls taped together to address that attachment of, it's kind of like an all-in-one. We've got where iliacus attaches, psoas, and then rectus femoris from the quad all come up and insert around in a similar area and doing the kind of the attachment site for all three I find is is good to use with that uh, tune-up ball set and I can link the video for that too and then I would you know work rectus femoris so that would be down the front of your quad or your thigh and then the TFL is so thin and so small I would just use really light gorgeous ball, the blow up ball to essentially get the fluid moving and get some nice fascial movement, maybe a pin and stretch kind of thing on that area. And then you can work your way down the TFL, but do not beat the heck out of it. Um, so once you warmed it up, then I would, um, then I would, do some stretches. So again, like I talked about before, I would, um, I would go super gentle and really, really baby it and kind of test like, how do I move my pelvis? How can that make those slight changes make me feel more intensity um, with that? So we've got you know, moving around the tissues gently, gentle stretches. And then we're going to actually want to strengthen that because it's been short and weak for a long, long time. And we need that hip flexors to centrate the joint well. So you can do um, a variety of different things to engage your hip flexors. And that could be anything by using a simple circle band. So, you know, a circular TheraBand around your feet. And you can do knee to chest. Um, and I would work, you know, within whatever is within your reach. And, you know, you're going to slowly load and slowly make it more intense. So you might not even use a band at first. You might just do knee to chest. When I give people... Um, an exercise to do when they're at work. You know, most people don't want to get up the, on the ground at work. So I'll show them how to stretch there. So as standing by simply tucking their tailbone under, opening up the front of that hip, I have them do that a few times and then bring the knee to the chest, asymmetrically holding that so as engagement at the top and do that a few times after, you know, every couple hours to kind of reset. So you've sat, you've shortened, it for two hours at the computer, you're going to get up, you're going to do 10 reps of stretch and then strengthen and then stretch and then strengthen. And it doesn't have to be a big uh, deal, but it's an easy way to prevent the repetitive strain 
throughout your day. I think people think of sitting at a desk as totally not strain a strain on your body, but repetition is can cumulatively be more more problematic than a really extreme workout because you're doing it all day long. That cum- people underestimate the cumulative effect of an activity. So that's an easy way to address that throughout the day. Kind of like when I have people do a simple like upper back thing because they're rounded over their computer all day. Same idea, different area of the body. So the takeaway from today's podcast is that your hip flexors it's great that people are you know, starting to take note of them and they want to make them better. Um, but don't forget to go easy on them when you're rolling them and stretching them. And don't forget to strengthen them. That is going to make a huge difference because we're typically weak in that area, especially if we sit a lot. So if you have any questions, um, let me know and I will probably be talking a little bit more on hips later. So have a good one. I look forward to working with you guys. And if you have any topics that you'd like discussed, make sure to comment below and let me know because I'd be happy to share all the knowledge that I have on those issues.